Hello everyone and welcome to Chairside Live. I'm your host, Megan Strong. And thanks for tuning in today. We've got a great show for you. Dr. Bai has a fantastic implant case for us where he's going to explain the fundamentals of implant placement. We're talking step-by-step -step protocol. So if you've just started placing implants or if you've been toying with the idea, this presentation will help equip you with the tools and confidence. Then, Registered Dental Assistant Will Schmidt is discussing an ever-important topic, shade taking. But first, let's get started with implants. Dr. Bai picked a straightforward case to ease you into the idea of placing your first implant, because it's all about case selection in those first several implant cases. Okay, enough talking. Dr. Bai, take it away. Hi everyone and welcome back to another case of the week. I want to share this case with you and if you're incorporating implant dentistry into your dental practice, cases like this would be ideal uh, to start out with. And repetition with cases like this will lead you to expanding your knowledge base and your comfort level. You can expand what you're doing uh, within your practice. So uh, for this case, uh, the patient presented with uh, plenty of interproximal space, plenty of bone, uh, so that we can uh, do the proper diagnosis and move forward with the implant placement. So the first visit, the patient comes in and we evaluate periodontal status, obviously the caries, and make the diagnosis and, and provide some treatment for the patient. And the patient has to be periodontally sound for us to move forward with implant dentistry. Also, I go through a series of evaluation of the radiographs and the comb beam CT scan uh, so that I know how much bone I have and I can go ahead and place the implant in the proper position. So once I have the diagnosis down, I bring the patient back and provide some anesthetic with local infiltration. And once the patient is nice and comfortable with the anesthetic, I can go ahead and provide a full thickness flap reflection so that I can access the bone. In this scenario, uh, I do a full thickness flap. Uh, I reflect a full thickness flap and I want to make sure that I have the access to the cortical plate of the bone. Once I reflect the flap, I'll go through and remove any residual soft tissue. I want to make sure that I have full access to the bone, as you can see here. So step one, have access and be able to visualize where I want to place the implant. And step two is to go ahead and create my initial osteotomy with the start drill. The star drill basically allows me to uh, follow up with additional drills in order to deepen and widen my osteotomy so that I can place the implant. What's really important for me is when I'm placing the implant, I want to go ahead and check with a parallel pin to make sure that my osteotomy is in the right direction. As you can see here, uh, I might be tilted a little bit to the distal or the mesial. And one way to really confirm that is to take a radiograph to make sure that I'm away from the vital structures and I'm not tilted in the direction that I don't want to be tilted in. After the first start drill, I'll go ahead and move to the second start drill before going into the shaping drills. Uh, now the shaping drills uh, for the Han implant system are designed so that the shape of the shaping drill is the shape of the implant. And you don't have to worry about depth because it's built into the shape of the drill. You just place the drill to the bone um, and you can uh, predict how deep it is by where you place uh, the drill uh, into the osteotomy. And again, I want to use my parallel pins, usually at the next step, 
in order to see whether I'm in the right direction and whether I need to change the angulation. It's really important to move up in the drill sizes and give yourself a chance to correct the angulation if you are off-angled. So that's uh, something to keep in mind, and it's a very systematic process. You don't just go from the star drill to the final shaping drill. You want to move up in uh, width and length of the drill so that you know uh, you have a chance to correct the angulation if you run into any trouble. So moving up the different drill sizes, I get to the final drill. Uh, and uh, in this situation, it is a 4.3 by 11.5 millimeter uh, diameter implant. So my final shaping drill is going to match the shape of my implant. Once I've finished osteotomy with the final shaping drill, I'll go ahead and place the implant. You have the option of placing the implant with the torque wrench, or you can use the, uh, the surgical handpiece. But you don't want to use the same RPM as you're creating the osteotomy. So you want to drop the RPM down to 25 to 30 so that you have a lot more control with placing the implant. Once the implant's in place, you can place a uh, cover screw or a healing abutment. And in this situation, I wanted to place a healing abutment that goes through the tissue. The tissue heals around it after I suture everything. And then uh, I can come back, if uh, when I want to take the final impression, I can come back and remove the healing abutment and place my impression coping and take the final impression. Also, uh, once I um, finish the procedure and uh, place the implant, it's fairly simple to place two interrupted sutures. In this situation, we use two interrupted chromic sutures. The tissue was approximated fairly well, and as you can see here, uh, the implant is in place. And now the patient goes through a period of osteointegration, before I bring the patient back for the final impression. I want to thank you for your time and I hope you enjoyed the case of the week. And if you're incorporating implant dentistry into your private practice, uh, cases like this would be ideal and build your skill level and your confidence. Thank you for that, Dr. Bai. And you can look forward to more implant cases on future episodes to help you get your feet wet. But now, let's meet up with Will. He's talking all about shade taking and picking the perfect shade. Let's learn his secrets. Take it away, Will. Thank you so much, Megan. So today, I'd like to address and answer a question that Glidewell technical advisors field from doctors and staff more often than any other subject when contacting the lab for support. The most common question, above all, involves tooth shade. What is the best shade-taking method? What if my patient wants to bleach or has already bleached? More importantly, how do we properly communicate our patient's tooth shade to the laboratory? Doctors, grab your staff for this one because I know everyone is going to benefit. What do shades consist of and why is it so important? It should be as simple as matching a tab to a tooth and writing it on a lab slip, but it really isn't. We aren't simply trying to communicate a single hue or color as it is more commonly referred. We are also attempting to distinguish the shade's chroma, this is the level of saturation in your hue, as well as the shade's value, the level of white or dark overall. Let's look at the Vita Classical Shade Guide for instance. Although it is the most popular shade guide used in dentistry, it does not communicate all three of the ideal parameters to select shade, specifically the shade's value. I like the Vita Classical Guide and it is a great tool to use to assist us in our decision-making process. So I'm going to ask you to do something a little off the wall. I want you to take all the tabs out of it and rearrange them. Contrary to the alphabetical order in which it is set up, when talking about shades on the Vita Guide, any professional knows that B1 holds a brighter hue than A1 or A2. The new arrangement of your tabs when replacing them should be 
from left to right, B1, A1, B2, D2, A2, C1, C2, D4, A3, D3, B3, A3.5, B4, C3, A4, and C4. Now that we have them in descending order, we could assume that it would be easier to reach a shade decision. Well, probably not. Now that the free space between shades has decreased, we are mathematically less likely to perceive the slight difference between neighboring tabs. So, where do we go from here? Shade guides are now being designed with ease of application in mind. The groundbreaking Vita 3D Master Shade Guide system allows the value of a hue to be selected by first grouping colors and then choosing the value in each specific color group like a drop-down menu. I like to call this method tabbed browsing. Another option is the Vita Bleach Guide. Although this guide has only one additional shade tab than the Vita Classical Guide, the colors are spread out on a broader spectrum, exactly twice the coverage as the Classical Guide. This makes it less complicated for our eyes to notice the difference. True to its name, however, this guide is best used for patients who are involved in chairside or take-home whitening procedures. The Vita Linear Guide first groups, then separates tab groups according to value before hue and chroma are taken into consideration. Now, the Vita Easy Shade Advanced Digital Shade Guide takes much of the legwork out of shade acquisition by eliminating the need for proper lighting in the operatory, as well as keeping results in a memory bank to be reviewed at a later time. So, which systems and methods are the best to use when communicating with your dental tech? Gladwell receives shade information from practices over a vast range of shade guide brands, so we are well equipped to translate the instructions that are sent into the result that you have in mind. We receive the majority of our shade instructions through Vita branded products. For this reason, I am focusing today's discussion more towards these guides, however, don't feel limited to using what is popular to get your message across. As long as your specific instructions are communicated with transparency to your dental tech, most shade matching issues can be avoided no matter what system you utilize. Let's move to the operatory and talk about some details. Let's first talk about the best conditions for choosing your ideal shade. Before starting the shade taking process, I need to know if my patient has been bleaching or is continuing to bleach. We recommend at least seven days since the last bleaching treatment has been administered. However, a full two weeks would be more ideal due to rehydration and bounce back. Now, I'm a firm believer in the buddy system when taking shades. Why? Because no two sets of eyes will see the same thing. Proper illumination of the site, the nearby colors of your patient's clothing, lipstick, skin, and hair. Even objects nearby in the room will make us see things differently. So, I'm sorry gentlemen, but you are 10 times statistically more prone to color blindness than your female colleagues. Additionally, we are more prone to vision deterioration as we get older. So, enlist the help of your assistant, grab a staff member, even hand your patient a mirror, and let's get a collective opinion on the shade to proceed with. When acquiring shades for my own patients, the first thing I look for is a good pre-procedural shade. I sit my patient upright and remove any artificial light sources, especially the patient lamp. If a digital shade guide is available, I like to start with it to get a basic idea of the shade I am looking for and then use that data to narrow it down further with shade tabs. When utilizing the digital shade guide, most should prompt you to scan the gingival third, the body, and then the incisal for a well-rounded reading. Make sure to then compare your handheld shade tabs to the teeth that are involved as well as the opposing and the adjacent teeth. Try to avoid covering up the tooth being prepared and casting a shadow on it. Rather, 
Place the shade tab beside the tooth as well as incisal to incisal. Compare your shades with the lips at rest, in a smile, and then retract it. If the body and incisal of the teeth have clear shade variances, make it a point to photograph the differences and orient the shade tab accordingly. So now that our preparation is complete, we have opened up one more shade parameter that I haven't discussed yet. This, of course, is our prep shade, also known as the Denton shade, or more commonly as the Stumpf shade. Don't forget to pronounce that extra letter F at the end. I hear so often the preparation being referred to as a stump, when in reality, the Stumpf is a German language term meaning blunt or unsharpened. Avaclar makes a couple great prep shade guides that have become more of the standard in dentistry worldwide. These guides are known as the Stumpf Material and Natural Dye Material Guides. The main difference between these guys is similar to the difference between the Vita Classical and 3D Master Guides. The Natural Dye Guide has a wider shade spectrum, making it easier for the eyes to pick up the differences. It won't be a problem to use a standard Vita Shade Guide or similar system as long as the system used is clearly notated in the photos and on the RX form. We have now collected enough data and photographic evidence to complete our lab prescription and submit for fabrication. Think of these photos as a secondary RX form and don't hesitate to draw specifics on them to get your message understood. I like to point out things such as halo effects, decalcification spots, and any abnormal variances that will aid in a lifelike restoration being fabricated. Moving to my RX form, it is important that exact details about the shade are presented here. To start, I leave a space and write See Attached Photos, plus I highlight that area if necessary. In the space provided on the form to write the shade, it is important to notate the shade as well as the exact guide you acquired this shade from. Getting into this habit will be especially beneficial when you are using a bleaching guide due to the large amount of bleaching guides available to choose from, but also when using plastic denture tooth specific guides or less popular shade guide brands. There is no such thing as providing too much information on the prescription form. The majority of shade related phone calls that Glidewell technical advisors place or answer is due to a lack of important shade dialogue between the practitioner and the laboratory. Well, I appreciate you tuning into this very important segment. For all of the doctors watching, I want this to be a good refresher course and a motivator to get you excited again about acquiring and communicating shades. For all of my dental assistants watching today, I hope that this sheds some light, so to speak, on the reasons why we choose the right tools at our disposal and the most effective way to speak to the lab from start to seat. Thank you for watching. Back to you, Megan. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of Chairside Live. On behalf of everyone here at Glidewell Laboratories, thank you for watching, and I'll meet you right back here next time.